0: Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. <laughs> this machine just called me an asshole.
1: My name is Stephen King. Welcome to Filmstrip and our views of selected works of Stephen King, featuring Nick, Kiss Me, Fat Boy,
0: and Jay. <laughs>
1: These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and contain in-depth discussions of the plots, characters, and themes. You want a war? You got one. All content used or discussed in this podcast is the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And now, here are Nick and Jay. Hey, Welcome to Film Strip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And this is our
0: review of Maximum Overdrive, starring Emilio Estevez, Pat Hingle, Laura Harrington, Yardley Smith, Frankie Fazen, and John Short. <laughs> As the poster says, the masterpiece directed by the master himself, Stephen King, released in July 1986 in on a budget of $10 million to grow $7.4 million, and was a huge flop. And it, people have asked Stephen King, why haven't you directed another thing since... A maximum Overdrive, and his answer is consistently, have you seen Maximum overdrop?
2: That's, that's the great thing about Stephen <laughs> King is like he calls himself out on this stuff, too. It's like, you know, if something's bad, he admits it's bad. He's not like one of these artists where it's, you know, he tries to like an M. Night Shyamalan type guy where he's trying to defend this stuff. It's like, yeah,
0: it was bad. <laughs> I think he blames this on the cocaine. That's uh, that's also part of the story, but uh, which you know in that case he has something in common with Estevez's brother. So <laughs> you can blame Appa Charlie Sheen on that. Uh, now we talked about this a little bit last time. You've never seen this at all, so this was new for you. I've seen this a lot. I I saw this when I was a kid and watched it a lot, and I can remember. The last time I watched this, I realized how bad it was, and I have not seen it in over a decade until watching it for this review today. And we'll we'll talk about whether or not my opinion has changed anymore. But have you ever read the short story, Trucks?
2: Actually, that is the only one I haven't read. I've read basically all the other ones. I just never got around to that one for some reason. So
0: I've never read it either, but I've read about it and read enough about it to realize I don't think I ever want to read it. Um, <laughs> I know that this deviates a good bit from the, the story, and which is funny because Stephen King said he took the directing over on this one because he was tired of seeing people Kubrick, you know, others, take his great work and do it their own thing with it, and then he does the same thing with his own. And I understand that somebody in Canada remade Maximum Overdrive as Trucks, starring Timothy Busfield a decade or so ago, but I haven't seen that either. So, I'm, this is the of all the things we're going to review in the Stephen King selected works retrospective, this is the one I'm actually least familiar with the source material on. I, I know very, very little about That short story, but if it's anything as harebrained as what is on the screen, I don't know that I want to. (laughs) Agreed (laughs) to me, the hubris of this is intriguing. Up to this point, in the Stephen King films that had been adapted for you know the big screen, what
2: exactly was he not
0: satisfied with?
2: Did we mention he was on cocaine? I think I think you're
0: right. I, but, you know, I mean, at this point, he had become established. I think half of the, the fun of this is how the film even got made. And then it's the same cinematographer from Silver Bullet, you know, and which is amazing because the, the films look nothing alike. Armando Nanuzzi, who sadly lost an eye while this movie was being made when the lawnmower, like, shot some wood into his eye. So, I mean, there's, like, actual... You know, curse.
2: Is that is, is that what they call poetic justice?
0: I don't think you can blame him. <laughs> if your director is as sad ass as Stephen King is, as we look we talk about we talk about this. We talked about this even with like things like it that we really liked and even Stand by me. Somewhere, there's always this dropping point in Stephen King's stuff. (laughs) And why would it not be in his directorial debut? Which, of course, he says he has no idea what he was doing. But at the time, he probably thought he knew what he was doing. And this guy was like, okay, sure. I mean, they had a lot of unsafe stunts on this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the story of it, and none of the actors in this, <clears throat> three of which have gone on to do other things. All right, I mean that you would recognize. Well, four really. Yardley Smith known more for being on The Simpsons than just about anything, I guess, in her career. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, Emilio Esvez has been in a lot of stuff. He's actually a a pretty decent filmmaker in his own right for the kind of things he likes to make. Uh, Laura Harrington, I've seen again. I did not realize that she was one of the female co-stars in The Devil's Advocate, one of my favorite Keanu performances, which someday we will get to. I've done the written review of that on our Facebook page and on our website, but someday we're going to watch that one. I'm going to drag one of you into that. (laughs) But she's in that, you know. And, Pat Hingle was in everything. I mean, good grief. He was you know, Commissioner Gordon in the the, the uh, Batman series for uh, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher. So, I mean, he's been in all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't like these people were just a bit of nobodies you never saw again. You know, there's there's other ones, too. I mean, they're, they're sort of sprinkled throughout the cast, which is kind of funny that they ever got work again. Then again, maybe nobody saw it.
2: So. Well, that's the thing. Would it make out $7.5 million? Yeah, no one, Yeah, no one saw this maybe maybe on maybe on TNT on like a saturday afternoon
0: on a 10 million dollar budget and they probably paid another 10 or 20 to promote it i mean the theme music in the trailer is the score from halloween 3 so you know john carpenter's getting checked and maybe that's this this movie is a good cousin to something like halloween 3 if you've ever been around that one but
2: I, well, I, after seeing this i'm kind of thinking this might be the prequel to cars <laughs> The Disney flick? Yeah. That explains <laughs> how they took over the world.
0: I guess we're getting more into this, Nick. we got to do a, a quick plot summary here. So, uh, When Earth passes through a comet's tail, everything with a motor or a microchip gets a life of its own and rebels against their human makers and finds really gruesome ways to kill them. Enter Bill Robinson, played by Emilio Estevez, and a bunch of truckers, workers, and patrons getting all trapped at the Dixie Boy truck stop. And they are surrounded by driverless and murderless 18-wheelers and vehicles. A few of the group get killed off, and the rest finally make their way out of the truck stop, and they run towards the harbor to get on a sailboat so they can go to an island where there are no motor vehicles allowed at all. Bill shoots the lead truck with a rocket launcher, and they sail away. Um, to this great island and the final postscript says that you know the earth eventually passed out of the comet's tail, everything went back to normal, and the survivors of the Dixie Boy are still survivors while AC DC music plays and credits roll.
2: So much A C D C in this movie. I just gotta bring that up right away. This movie is just riddled with AC/DC. I thought maybe uh I was gonna you know, watch an Iron Man at first. It was just every the score was A C D C. Which I, I'm not going to complain about, but it was just—it's it's the only
0: redeemable part. I, I would almost venture to say the Who Made Who record probably outsold this film <laughs> by a long shot. Uh, now our you know our podcast friend Brian, our our webmaster co-host, of the artist Lang, a big AC/DC fan. He loves that, and he and his wife love this movie, and in no small part due to that soundtrack. But I you know, it's one of the most identifiable things of this is Hell's Bells and Who Made Who and you know the A C D C songs pumping in the background definitely give it life and that was handpicked by Stephen King. It's probably the only good decision he made in this film was to have them score it, as it were. And I I kinda dig the the rock and roll feel that this has to it. Um it does add a very interesting <laughs> background to what is otherwise really pulpy and really cheesy
2: well i think it fits perfectly i mean as soon as acdc starts kicking in in the beginning you know you're in for a movie that's just going to be like kind of hard fast and probably doesn't take itself too seriously and this movie really doesn't take itself seriously just even from the opening scene with stephen king himself you know going up to the atm and the atm's calling him an asshole and he's like honey you gotta come over here this atm's calling me an asshole it's just,
0: you know. The the big the big thermometer right above it though that was going you know how many degrees it was just goes f you, you know, as people are walking up to the bank now I work in a place and, and do a lot of running and so and everybody runs downtown and there's one bank downtown where I live that has that same kind of sign that's been there forever that's still and I'm gonna tell you if it started telling me to go f off I would notice that but people are just walking in the bank like it's no big deal <laughs> and how many how many times have you worked somewhere since Seeing this, that if you have the chance to reprogram the flashing sign, you don't think about that. I dare you to drive down the highway and see construction and not think (laughs) in one minute that could just turn over and start telling me to, to go have sex with myself.
2: Don't tempt me cuz actually my job has a big uh, digital d- digital message center outside of it so I could, could very easily do that one day.
0: Let's talk about this story here though because it is really simple. But what do you make of the setup of this whole thing is it And and I need you to explain to me what happens because you're the newbie here but I've seen this so many times I don't think I really understand. <laughs> what's going on? I think they try to get Lara Harrington to explain it to us, but she seems so lifeless that she's unable to either that or she was really high when she made this, but I don't get exactly how passing through the comet's tail turns motorized objects and non motorized objects into death machines
2: i don't like it's the same logic as uh uh, Night of the Living Dead with, you know, the satellite crashing to Earth, and that somehow turned everybody into zombies. I mean, it's, I just took it as, okay, this thing must have some type of radiation that somehow, I i don't know, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't.
0: I almost get that it turns all the, the cars into sentient Terminators. When I saw Stephen King at the ATM, I didn't know what that was, Nick, until I was in high school. I never even saw one of those. It all seems so fascinating, this technology. But I can go with that. I will give the movie that. The thing I cannot wrap my brain around is how that ultimately controls things like water sprinklers when the kids riding down the street <laughs> and, and <laughs> they're going to the bump of the, of the music and, and how it controls machine guns mounted on poles that are just turrets. There's no <laughs> there's no motorized part to that. <laughs> how yeah. that occurs, I cannot understand.
2: How does how does a soda machine turn on like that? It's, <laughs> and
0: and better yet, how does it get aim? Because it takes out all of that kid's baseball team. His coach, it just can't hit him. But it's like aiming the cans. That was right out of MythBusters.
2: That 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 scene was just. That I was on the ground laughing with that scene. It was you know the coach goes walking up to a Pepsi machine and the thing just starts pelting him with freaking Pepsi cans and it's just like pop pop in the head until he gets a big big hole almost in his head from getting hit so hard and all the kids were getting hit, you know, things like pelted him from like maybe like 25 feet, 30 feet away and the kids are dead. And then the one kid rides away on his bike, I guess the bike, Itself came alive and made him fall off of it, and then all comes a random steamroller and <laughs> I've smashes. I've
0: never thought that the bike came alive until you just said that.
2: Isn't that what happened? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I just thought he tripped. I, well, for I mean, like, steamroller comes and in and everything. flattens two of his friends, so I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. We're saying, you know, the sprinklers were coming alive, and those don't have any, like, microchips or any really mechanical aspects to it, so I guess the bike, I thought the bike came alive. And maybe
0: it did. I don't know. That's a good, I don't know. We're talking about Deke, the kid who's, whose dad gets gasoline sprayed in his eyes, or diesel sprayed in his eyes early in the movie, and then ultimately gets run over by one of the trucks, which we're going to talk about in a second, but he's kind of the kid of the, the thing. He's he's riding away. I just thought he just ran over something. And, I mean, everybody's done that when you're a kid, you're riding your bike, and you Hit a hole and it just throws you, you know. I just thought he got thrown off of it, but
2: no, I, th- I think the, I think the bike was going. You know, get your freaking ass off of me, kid, and just flung well, him but, off. But the,
0: but the problem is, he rides that bike all the way to the Dixie Boy after the attack in the baseball field, so does he find another one, or does he tame it? I don't know. I, you know. And again, I know this is a stupid movie. We're just supposed to go with it, right? You just, just go with it. Just go with it, right? But the problem is, is it wants me to feel like there's some stakes here. I'm supposed to understand that motorized things, including airplanes, to the sound of classical music, are going to fly over, and there's going to be all this stuff, right? I mean, I'm supposed to believe that, I, and I can almost get that because it basically says that to me in the whole bit about the Comet. But I... I don't have any explanation for all these other things. And I needed it. I needed just a line. I needed some, you know, the random newscaster that they kept throwing in there, you know, to explain everything, which the funniest part to me, he's riding through the neighborhood and the newscaster is going, the national guard says to unplug all electrical appliances and stay away from electronics. And I'm like, dude, you're on a radio. <laughs> How are people going to hear
2: this? So I, it's, that would have oh. been, been an awesome part of like, also like the microphone started to attack them or something. It's like, a microphone is going in my mouth or something and it's trying to like, suffocate. I need
0: it I'm with you. I needed the the Friday the thirteenth, part four. It's killing me. You know, I needed that to happen.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the movie the movie has absolutely no logic at all when it's trying to describe when when it's when it's trying to like set up who the bad guys are. It the, the, there are no rules. The rules are whatever convenient for the moment. Oh, oh, but they do
0: set up the bad guys, and the bad guy is the minute Frankie Faison drives into that truck stop before all hell breaks loose, driving the Happy Toys you know black sleek truck with the Green Goblin face from friggin' Spider Man on the front of that. <laughs> Now, just seeing that thing come down the road, I'm like, man, that is such a vision block. How would you ever drive with something like that on the front of your car? But it's basically to give the lead car a face. Because how ridiculous would it be if the lead car didn't distinguish itself from something else? You know, all those big trucks kind of look the same, depending on how worn they are, and except for how they're painted. So they had to give it a face.
2: How did he ever get uh, the license to use the Green Goblin face in this movie?
0: I want to know the same. I'm like, how? that must have been tied up in somewhere that you know, Death Ritz has got a hold of it, or I don't know. I'm, I've always wondered how they got that cleared. And don't you know the folks at Marvel are like, well, I hope nobody ever sees this movie. So,
2: I mean, cause, that, might, that might have been it. They might have just been like, let's get the lawyers. Well, We can't get blood from a stone. So
0: I totally had flashbacks to Maximum Overdrive, which is never a good thing. The first time I saw the first Spider-Man flick and Willem Dafoe jumps out in his (laughs) Green Goblin outfit, I said, oh my, I now know what that's from. Because I did not know that was the Green Goblin up until that Spider-Man came out in the 2000s. I mean, that was so wild. But yeah, but I mean, what a menacing face. But what, what about the idea that they give the lead truck and it talks to the other trucks by revving its engine?
2: Or uh, glowing its eyes, glowing the Green Goblin's eyes when it gets mad because <laughs> it know,
0: growls at you.
2: Because it makes sense that now it can just randomly make stuff glow on itself.
0: Every time a truck goes on the attack, I don't know if you noticed it, but did you hear twinges of the Psycho music coming up? Because every I time, know. every time a truck hits somebody, I go back and watch it again. You'll hear that. In there. It, I swear it is, is a ripoff of the psycho shower kill theme. Mm. And, I, and it, But the thing is, one time the Happy Toys truck backs up to hit the Bible salesman, and it's going in reverse at maybe six miles an hour. <laughs> and he's running in a straight line away from it. It was like watching Prometheus when Charlize Theron couldn't zigzag out of the way of the rolling ship. I, I really, I I now know where that came from. Damon Lindelof must be a fan of Maximum Overdrive. That's all I'm going to say. Because that those kills are the worst. Oh, oh, There's only one of them that looks good, and it's the kid's dad that got the gas in the eyes. When he gets smashed by the truck, that looked really good. I mean, it, it was a good dummy, and the, the blood splattered. I mean, they got that shot just right because that one looked good. <laughs> but the rest of them were redonkulous.
2: No, I completely agree. Yeah, the, the gasoline in the eye with the, you know, the hitting of them afterwards is pretty much the only thing that looked somewhat convincing. Everything else is just done in a way that it's, again, it's comical. I mean, I was watching this movie, and I was thinking this is probably a comedy. Just with, you know, the ACDC music and just how, like, over-the-top stupid everything is and just how poor it looks, but I'm guessing now it's just kind of more based on the um, actual budget itself and just the inexperience of Stephen King, but hey, you know, sometimes uh, the best comedies are, you know, not eventually not supposed to be comedies.
0: well yeah yeah unintentional i think is the word i mean nick th- this movie <laughs> is was supposed to be this thrill ride this scary look what technology can do to us you know movie that was in that 80s you know friends We, we you know we were at war games and all that stuff we were post that that era and our electricity our electronics were going to kill us all and that was what this was all about. I mean, clearly, and it was supposed to be scary. Watching it now, it's funny 30 years after the fact, but at the oh, time...
2: How, how can the soda machine not be funny? How can that not be funny? That is like, I'm watching that, and I was I was laughing so hard at that.
0: I'll tell you how funny, because when I saw this film the first time, I was pretty much Deke's age. You know, I was maybe... 11, 12 years old, you know, whatever. the first time I saw this. And that I was like, oh, man. And I could not walk up to one of those front loader or front shooter machines without thinking about that, at least you know, partially for uh, several years after. Like, I remember that going, wow, could that actually happen? And, of course, now I'm like, there was no, the only way that can ever happen is if you have the guys from Mythbusters build it for you. But, that, you know, that couldn't happen. But it's hilarious to think about. Imagine nowadays, like, if you'd reshot this and you wanted to have the vending machine kill, how would that even work? <laughs> you know, the way they work nowadays, they don't they don't drop like that anymore. There's so many other protective pieces to it. I guess your Reese's cup could fly out at you, but you know, that's about it. So What about the guy in the games room? You know, he's in there and what does what he? He tries to buy cigarettes or whatever and it's like your mama or whatever, and then it just starts dropping its load on him. <laughs>
2: Yeah, too funny, man. It's just everything I just I said. I was just laughing at this entire movie.
0: Well, what about the actors? We we've mentioned a few of them here and there. What do you make of Emilio Estevez, our lead here, our college boy who got arrested robbing a grocery store and now works in a dead end diner where everybody has a record? Is
2: that what happens? Yeah, and they have rocket launchers too. I mean, <laughs> he's an arms dealer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That would have totally been believable had he been a different origin than white, Caucasian, redneck.
2: Yeah, that's just the role that you would need like um, some British guy or something like that to be like the arms dealer, like uh, Alan Rickman, you know, where he can actually be believable. said so he's got some c- cigar-chomping, fat, white guy doing it.
0: Emilio Estevez, his hair is perfect in this movie. I mean, <laughs> he has got the aquanet slicked back. I mean, he can crawl through sewers... I mean, he does all of that stuff in here, and he still looks great. And when I saw him and the other guy crawling through the sewer that one time, all I could think about was the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> and I realized that, once again, Stephen King has ripped off himself in a later story. I think Stephen King owes himself a lawsuit for plagiarizing himself.
2: Uh, I, I always kind of, when I was watching, I was kind of thinking maybe uh, Judd Nelson had taught Milio um, how to do it, because... I'm starting to think I'm like maybe this is actually the sequel to the Breakfast Club and that's uh kind of what happened to uh Andrew Andy. Clark, you know, he was uh all suddenly, you know, it was just kind of like a high school dropout after that afternoon at the uh the school library and yeah, he ends up over here fighting against trucks, you know.
0: He went from Chicago to uh North Carolina, sure, I can buy it. So, well, what about Brett? Where is she supposed to be from? I know she's hitching her way to Florida, but it, it Dressed in clothes not made to live in Florida.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was just, when I saw her, it was uh, Yardley Smith, I think her name is. Uh, she was in that car. I was just like, God, what is that vo- that voice? That oh, you're you you so talking about the, the,
0: the new married couple now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. It's just with Connie, I think her name was. And it was, uh, yep. it took me a little bit. I'm like, that's freaking Lisa Simpson. <laughs> yeah, it it's just, Yeah, is. it's just. God with her character was so annoying and then like her husband too I was just hoping the whole time that it was their first the first time we run into him when they're in the car and everything and then they get attacked by a truck I was just hoping that he'd get smashed because he was so freaking annoying and just the way she was screaming the entire time oh he wasn't annoying I mean, she
0: was annoying he was just
2: boring there was just nothing no well, annoying about boring him. I put them all in the same thing but with like her <laughs> it was just kind of like but why wasn't their car alive? When they're driving it. Why
0: wasn't Hendershot's Big Bubba Cadillac alive? Thank you. I wondered the same
2: thing. See, that's what I go back to saying though with this movie is the fact that they are just kind of making up stuff as they go along, like the trucks are alive, the the you know, the vending machine's alive. why isn't the stove alive in this in the in the diner? Yeah, well I mean they at one point they
0: do the trucks apparently cut the power to the diner, so maybe the diner is alive and it cuts all of its power off after it shocks the guy that tried to steal all the cigarette money or whatever. But it doesn't turn that on to they want gas again.
2: I mean, they could, they could have done so much better with it. They could have, had, like, the toaster come alive and, like, shooting slices of toast at them. They could have, like, the uh, the blender come alive and, like, you know, pull little gremlins and someone with well, their the, hand
0: the meat knife them. did come alive and try to kill Wanda. Or whatever her name was. So well, I mean, true, it but it to- just—it
2: just seems like it was real selective, you know. Where it oh, it like-
0: was very selective. That's the point. Is it's too selective? It's too selective for this kind of even this kind of a movie to get by with. Like, you can't have all this random crap happen and the most obvious things not happen. Bubba's Cadillac should have come to life and run him over. You know, that would have been. Uh, That would have worked. I would have bought that, you know. And explain to me this, how the M60, which is not motorized, okay, doesn't have moving parts except for it's just basic gun parts. It operates off of the gas created by firing the weapon. All right, that's how that thing works, okay. How it is alive and can aim, (laughs) all right. But none of that hardware downstairs ever comes to life. It's all fine. That makes no sense at all. It, you'd think if those rocket launchers realized that one of their buddies got used to kill one of the trucks, they'd be like, screw this. We're all going off right now.
1: Well, you
2: know? Answer this Answer this to it. Um, you know, some of the computer chips making it come alive. An M274 truck doesn't have any computer chips in it. I mean, that is the most basic of yep. basic vehicles there are. I mean, it's just built to just It's essentially go. a
0: golf cart yeah, with a gun on it. It's just built to
2: just go and have a gun on the back of it then. How was that thing alive and doing stuff? I mean, okay, if we're going to be going to this whole thing about, okay, the 80s and all this, you know, the electronics boom and everything and like, oh, you know, when is it going to stop? Skynet, you know, stuff like that where, you know, how much power do these things have? You just can't have stuff that have, you know, stuff like this all suddenly come alive. And I was even kind of hoping too, you know, like the whole discussion about the cars that they were driving, like the Cadillac. Why not make a couple of them good? You know, have like the car like, oh, you know, bubble t- treated his Cadillac really good and it's like it likes him. It's like his dog now. And you know, like so you're this-
0: saying you, you're saying you needed the Autobots to take on the Decepticons. That's pretty much what you're laying out here.
2: Yeah, that would have been so much better. I mean why why? Okay, these things are live, but why do they want to kill? Why?
0: And it's it's that there's no there's no answer to that. That's the problem, is that they don't they don't have any answers to this stuff. They just want us to go with it. And the problem is that even in a movie that's like this that really should be made and played for camp, you know as such to just over explain everything that only adds to the level of fun <laughs> if you give me some half ass explanation rather than just leaving it out there because it, by leaving it out there leaving it unexplained lets me know they thought this was serious stephen King was trying to tell all this serious story and it is not serious in the least bit you explain all of that when you're making camp yeah uh, th- think about jason x okay Not a good film, okay, but a really fun one to watch because they go through painstaking links to explain to you how they're going to turn Jason into Uber Jason with the nanobots. You know, I mean, like like that kind of stuff is what I needed here. I needed just lay it all out for me and then I'll just go with it because it is ridiculous and it is hilarious. But playing it straight, which so much of this movie is played so, so straight and serious and that it doesn't make any sense. And with, like when the kid shoots the uh, the Burger King drive up thing or whatever, right? W- was it like cussing him out? I don't understand why shooting that thing that had nothing to do with his dad's death certainly un- somehow releases all of his angst about that.
2: No idea. No idea. <laughs> It's 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 as consistent as why stuff is coming alive and other stuff isn't. It is weird.
0: I mean, I mean, I think about other films where I've seen this trope. Like Terminator Three comes to mind, right? Remember the Terminatrix could make cars drive themselves and all that kind of stuff. But there was a logic to that. It wasn't a really good one, but there was one to it, right? There's, yeah, I mean there slightly. isn't one. Here. <laughs> And what about their whole plan, though, right? We're going to get to this island where there's no motor vehicles allowed. It's six miles off the coast. Okay, I, look, six miles in nautical terms is a decent way, but it's not forever. Who's to say one of the motorized boats can't come attack?
2: That's the Atlantic
0: Ocean, bud.
2: <laughs> well, what would the boat do, though? You just... Start circling around the island.
0: fire upon them. I mean, I mean, <laughs> have I you mean. Seen, is, have you seen what it's a the same reason do? they don't
2: make an Aquaman movie? It's like you just got to go on dry land and you're fine. You <laughs> can't do anything to you. Same Good thing with point. the boat. It's going just circle around there, going, "I'm gonna get you," but I'm not gonna go in the water, so you're not gonna be able to get me.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, it was just the again. I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm watching a 90 minute AC/DC music video.
2: Which isn't so bad. I mean, they should have just done that. They should have just done, like, you know, when you watch the movie yeah. Grindhouse, you know, with the trailers, kind of just how, like, how the movie, like, Thanksgiving, it just has all the money shots. Yeah. That's what there should have been. You know, no no actors, really, were, or main characters, just have, like, just a bunch of freaking trucks running over people and just, like, random occurrences. I mean, to me, that would have been freaking awesome. But it's like, when you try, like, having, like, a character that you're supposed to sympathize with and root for him, I didn't root for anybody in this movie. I wanted everybody to get flattened by a truck or, you know, a helicopter to come and kind of angle its blades down and start chopping them all apart. I mean, something. I mean, it was just like everybody in this movie was just deplorable in their own way. Somewhere there's the
0: fan edit of this that has none of the characters in it. None of the Bill and Brett getting it on. None of the... I think Wanda June and Bubba got it on, too. They came out of the back a couple of times tucking clothes in. That, that looks like it got cut. But none of that... that like there's none of that. It's just like you say. It's just AC, DC, and the truck's killing everybody. Yeah. And that... Thirty minutes would be awesome, <laughs> I mean that would be like watching a c d c in concert, you know, and i'll tell you it is the effective use of music when they have to go out there and gas up the vehicles and hell's bells starts playing and that that is one of those moments' it's like yes, that is a kicking song, and it's just it evokes an image and I, unfortunately for a c d c my memory of that song. Often triggers to that scene when I hear it on the radio. If I hear it nowadays, I think about Bill and the blisters on his hands as he's gassing up the trucks. But again, at the, you know, even at the end, right? We got we got to kill that big green truck, right? Because everybody else, the trucks essentially just uh, decide after they realize the humans have escaped through the sewer or whatever that they are just going to run over the Dixie Boy, and when they do, they blow it up, inadvertently killing themselves. <laughs> But except for the Green Goblin truck, which Brad doesn't notice is 12 feet away from him as he's ripping off the diamond ring or whatever and doesn't hear it start up. Have you ever been around a diesel truck? (laughs) You can't not hear it start.
2: Yeah, I used to I used to drive diesel trucks. You can hear them. You can hear them from blocks away running. Sometimes they're so loud. I mean, yeah. Moreover, it's, it's, you can feel it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can of smell it. You can smell diesel yeah. fuel. Diesel fuel has a very very, you know, unique smell to it, especially when it's getting out, when it when it's burning. And it's like you could totally be able to smell that when it's there, but whatever. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like
0: we we gotta have the one last kill, and we gotta have you know Bill shoot it with the rocket launcher, the the law rocket, and blow it up, and then because it is cool to see the law rocket go into the mouth of the Green Goblin and blow up. You know that's like oh yeah woo. You know it's exciting, but beyond that, not not much else.
2: Yeah, I was kind of sad to see the Green Goblin truck get blown up because it is kind of it's cool looking. I mean, I if, if someone came up to me and said, hey, you could be a truck driver, and this is gonna be the truck you drive, I'd be like. Yeah, hell yeah, I do that. I mean, well, I mean, what was you?
0: What would? What did you want that truck to do? Stand on? The, you know, rev its engine and honk the horn as they sailed away, or m- try to make like one of those Fast and Furious things and jump off a bridge and land on them in the water. I mean, that's all it could
2: have done. At this done. point, at this point, it should have just followed them into the water and it just drowned like the shark. Should, <laughs> no, it would have been. It would have been like going on the bottom of the water, you know, like treading the ground about below <laughs> the water, and they'd be like. Oh wow! Kind of yeah, like
0: that's... the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <that> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it's just like it's going to be coming after him, or and then they get, then they, throw, they'll be like, oh well, you know, he, he obviously doesn't work. The engine got flooded, you know, from the water. It, it's dead, and then they get to the island, and he comes out, <laughs> honking his head. That would have been better. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure there's there was no budget for that. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm going to guess. They just didn't have because to
2: <laughs> I'll go with that because you can't go with the whole, like, well, that logically doesn't work because this movie doesn't follow any logic. So it's... Yeah.
0: Because all that happens really is they blow some stuff up. They get in the sailboat. They all look longingly into the rising sun. ACDC plays. And we're told in postscript that a, a UFO was destroyed by a, quote, Russian weather satellite that had nukes on it. Yeah, that was the other <laughs> joke at the time, right, was that there aren't weather satellites. These are tactical weapons floating above Earth. And but and I was, I, I've only caught it this time. As many times I've seen this dumb movie. What's-her-name? Hitchhiker Girl knows this because she says... Something about? Do you think it's aliens coming to wipe us out? And Emilio Estevez said, "Yeah, this is the broom or whatever." And so, yes, it, was, it We get the explanation at the end in writing, <laughs> is that it was a it was an alien that decided to make all this happen and got blasted by nukes
2: that it didn't realize were there. That's been awful. <laughs> well, okay.
0: Why did that satellite also not become sentient?
2: <laughs> there, there, there was a UFO in the, in the atmosphere all along. I mean, where did that come from? Just it's it's stupid. It's so stupid. I would have just went with the green mist, you know, tail of the comet that that was on Earth, but it was like all oh, suddenly now it's like oh yeah, this was actually caused more by a UFO, but, maybe. Hey, I don't know. Bl- I blame, the,
0: blame the but, Coke because Stephen King wrote the script too. And <laughs> he's to blame for all of that. So I, I mean that is that is
2: like know. soldiers out of like left field where it's just like
0: Oh hell, this what? whole movie's out of left field.
2: <laughs> oh it is, but it's just like UFO What? Where, where did that come from? I mean, it's just like... You know, it's like Spider-Man 3 when you find out like the butler knew all this stuff. It's like,
0: what? No! Yeah, it's like, no, sir, no, I've seen a stuff. number of odd things in my time at the Dixie Boy. <laughs> Bubba died by his own rocket. <laughs>
2: yeah. just, 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 just so terrible. And, and most of the time when you get like... You know you're in for a bad movie when you have to have a freaking epilogue like that where it's all written out for you at the end. It's just like, oh, God.
0: Yeah. Know? Well, and, and one wonders if, if indeed, I, you know, I blame Stephen King for this, one wonders if the studio <laughs> didn't look at this and go, man, we got to have a title card at the beginning and one at the end. I don't know what the hell just happened. I see Earth, and there's green around it, and then everything goes to hell. <laughs> it's
2: like, I, don't I mean, that would have been like, you know, at the end of, like, Night of the Living Dead where, like, a title card would go up and go, it turned out there was a UFO in the atmosphere, and the Chinese blew it out of the air, and all the zombies died.
0: That's the it. end. The <laughs> end. Who made who? I mean, there, there we go. Well, I think we're at the point of the podcast, and this is not going to be painfully obvious already, where we give our final recommendations and popcorn ratings. So, what are yours, Nick, for Maximum Overdrive?
2: extra small popcorn, if that's even a rating, just, just, just the smallest popcorn we can do. It's terrible. It's, it's a very, very bad movie. There's some comical elements into this movie, but they're unintentional. So for me, as a movie, it's a small, you know, small popcorn, but I recommend everybody go see this movie because it's a movie that is just a movie that you're never going to forget, and a movie you're going to make fun of for the rest of your life, and you're really, really going to want to have this movie in your back pocket when you're talking about movies like The Happening or Cars, because it just makes it that much better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to say this, all right. I'll join you in the small popcorn, but I'll say this: this can be consumed, but it should never be consumed alone you should watch this with people. If you're going to have a bad movie night, something like that, this one can be on that list because it certainly meets those criteria. I don't think there's anything fun about watching this by yourself. And I can say that it's more fun to talk about it with you than it was to ever sit through it. Because I'll tell you, it was a grueling 97 minutes and I had to break it up into two pieces. (laughs) That just doesn't happen for me. So yeah, so I, I, yeah, I this is a small popcorn all the way. And I'm going to say this right now. We've done so far in our... Selected works of Stephen King. We've done Silver Bullet, Cat's Eye, The Shining, Stand By Me, and both parts of It. You know, that's been our, our release so far. And this is by far the worst thing we've seen. This is way worse than Silver Bullet. Way worse. I know you dogged on that movie, but this is way bad. This is way worse than that. Though... Probably more enjoyable to again consume in a large group. It's kind of like cheese dip. You don't really eat that crap by yourself, but you'll eat it when you're having a you know a bunch of people over. You know that it, this is sort of what Maximum Overdrive is, and it's a movie so obvious that it has to call out its own title multiple times in the script, <laughs> and the lead song, the lyrics to it are essentially one character's entire dialogue <laughs> when she dies. So, uh yeah, bad. Bad flick. And Nick, I kind of feel weird. We're taking a break from our Selected Works of Stephen King retrospective here to do some other film reviews and stuff. We'll come back to some of these, but I feel like we're we're ending in a weird spot. <laughs> we may have to come back and get into some more, I guess what you'd say, traditional stuff from Stephen King when we revisit this again.
2: It's almost kinda of like the end of a uh, Matrix Reloaded. It's like we're really ending on a bad note right now, aren't we? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, to, to be continued, I think, is the, is the key here, because we've got more to come, but other things we're going to review, and we'll be doing those in the coming weeks. And then, of course, a lot of cool stuff coming up later this spring and in the summer, we'll tell you more about as we get closer to time. You can check out the archive section of our podcast at ContinuousPlayPodcast.com. Um, you can go there. We've revamped the entire archive section, so you can see everything we've ever done there. The Leprechaun movies, we've got um, all the Alien films, the Born films that we, we have. Reviewed good things and <laughs> these other Stephen King films. You can also hook up with the host there. You can find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages. Let us know what you think, um, you know, and we'll be glad to interact with you on that level. So until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Film Strip.
1: Thanks for listening to Film Strip. I just want to get the hell out of here. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast is the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.